Hi, I'm Nicole Ferraro, and this is The Divide, a podcast from Light Reading exploring the ongoing digital divide, why and where it still exists, and what needs to be done to get people everywhere connected to reliable, high-speed internet. Today, I am joined by Prashant Vijay, founder and CEO of Flume Internet. He returns to the podcast to discuss Flume's work leveraging dark fiber to help close the digital divide in New York City over the past year, as well as the company's recently announced expansion to California and Connecticut. We also discuss Flume's participation in the New York City Internet Master Plan under former mayor Bill de Blasio and his thoughts on the new mayor Eric Adams' decision to pursue a different strategy. All right. Prashanth, welcome back to the podcast. Thank you so much for joining me today. How's it going? I am doing well, trying to stay dry here in New York. Yes, it's very dark and dreary out there today. Um, So uh, luckily, we're in the warmth of a podcast studio. Uh, Not really, we're in separate locations, but indoors, which is awesome. So anyway, like I said, welcome back to the podcast. You were uh, on the divide last year talking about your company, Flume. But for anyone who may have missed that episode for whatever unforgivable reason, uh, maybe you could provide uh, some brief background on Flume, a bit about your work in New York City so far, and um, your recent expansion news. Yes. Um, so yeah, God forbid people miss an episode of The Divide. Yeah, um, insane. Right. Um, but yeah, it's been a busy year for us, I think, as it has for a lot of the home broadband industry. Um, a lot of change um, and a lot of you know fiber build out. Um, we're now available in over... 11,000 homes in New York City and LA, our first kind of new venture outside of New York. Um, I think that's up from maybe about 6,000 or so when we last spoke. So sort of, you know, almost doubled the footprint here in the last year. Um, And there's, I think, a lot of interest uh, on the home broadband side in bringing in new options um, from both, you know, property owners as well as uh, like local city um, leadership across you know a variety of cities, so that's kind of been the main development. Flume is a last mile broadband provider, um, and we primarily look to you know lease dark fiber or use open access networks where possible uh, to serve broadband. So we want to be you know kind of asset light between the data center and the customer premise, and, and that's sort of our um, you know model where we think we can scale quickly. So. That's kind of a, I guess, a brief recap of what we've been up to and what Flume is about. Very good recap, in my opinion. Well done. Um, so to talk a little bit about the, you mentioned expanding to LA in, in California. You also expanded, I think, to, was it Hartford in Connecticut? Mm-hmm. Yep. So uh, talk to me a little bit about the decision to expand to those cities. What do you look for? Obviously, you say you leverage dark fiber, but what do you look for um, when you're looking for cities to expand to? Um, and what have you learned in your work with New York that you're applying to these new partnerships? Yeah. Um, so I think part of our you know goal is to prove that you know with sort of more modern software to manage our operations and the way we've sort of built you know a, a modern ISP, um, we can sort of crack the, you know, regionality challenge. Um, You know, most ISPs end up being hemmed in to certain regions because, you know, you're managing all this infrastructure in a certain area. So 
um, we did kind of intentionally want to pick different geographies, you know, where we can prove sort of, you know, this operational expansion capability. Um, in those markets, we do look for, um, you know, low cost fiber access, whether that's open access or dark fiber, uh, and then, you know, low cost co-location and core traffic pricing. Um, and when, you know, our real estate team goes in and can sort of qualify that the minimum threshold of interest will pay back what the network team has kind of deemed as, you know, a cost efficient way to access fiber and data center space, um, then we can hit go on that market. Um, and so, yeah, these two specific markets sort of had those, you know, list of magical nutrients um, needed for us to, to sort of start developing them. Okay, cool. Um, so one thing you and I spoke about last year was the New York City master plan. At the time, um, Flume was tapped as one of the participants in the New York City master plan, which was a plan launched under Mayor Bill de Blasio, the former mayor of New York City, um, who I think debuted this plan shortly before the COVID pandemic uh, shut everything down. Um, so Give us a quick refresher on that plan and your participation in it. Um, noting that the, that plan has now been sidelined, we will get to that in a few minutes, but what were you able to accomplish um, in the time that that plan was alive? Yeah, I think the, the primary goal of the plan initially was to really acknowledge that, hey, there are still you know, a lot of New Yorkers, almost on the order of a million people who have either you know, inadequate or extremely expensive broadband and are really just not paying for home broadband. And I think the um, that number and its realization itself is a big win. Um, a lot of folks, you know, really didn't realize that uh, the challenge was that significant. Um, and, and so the plan starts with that data point and then says, you know, how can you solve this quickly and in a future-proof way? And so... I think a lot of the goal was aligned with Flume in that, you know, we think bringing competition and other options to as many of these um, more underserved areas is the way you can, you know, drive long-term sort of fiber to the home growth and, you know, more premium broadband services can be offered. Um, and so the phase one of the plan was this, uh, I think, RFEI that was put out sort of at the height of the pandemic in 2020. Um, and I believe it was six or seven vendors of which Flume was one of them. Um, and together we all, you know, the vendors connected about, I want to say 20% or maybe it was closer to 10% of the NYCHA system, um, of which Flume had, you know, about 6,000 homes uh, sort of under our purview to connect. And uh, from all accounts, I think that part of the program has actually been a great success. Um, you know, our uh, support and marketing teams have sort of reported that about 20% of our own subscribers in that footprint are using us as their first home broadband option, which is, you know, a really good data point that we like to share. And I think um, that 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 was uh, sort of the big goals around the initial program. And so, um, yeah, we're, we're pretty happy with the results um, and kind of our you know, few complexes of affordable housing that we serve uh, as part of the internet master plan. So, okay. So 
as mentioned, Mayor Eric Adams, who was inaugurated in, in, in January, um, has put that plan aside. He's not interested in that plan. He launched his own plan called Big Apple Connect. Um, and unlike the New York City Master Plan, which kind of sought out smaller, newer, uh, upstart providers, um, minority-owned businesses, et cetera, um, the Big Apple Connect has partnered with the city's incumbent providers, Altice and Charter, to deliver free broadband to NYCHA residents. So um, I'm curious about your take on the shift in plans, first of all, from a personal perspective and from the perspective of somebody who is participating in the New York City Master Plan. But I'd also just like to know from a practical perspective, do you have to shut down the programs that you were running in the during the New York City Master Plan? Like what happens logistically now? Yeah. So I guess practically speaking, I, I'll address that. It's the easier yeah. one. The, um, mm-hmm. the campuses where, you know, ourselves and the other sort of, um, you know, more upstart projects um, are servicing remain sort of un, unaffected by the, the new plants. And I think the, the uptake we've seen via ACP um, and, you know, the fact that I think a lot of the Flume and the other folks, we've put in a lot of effort into raising awareness on ACP because, you know, we're sort of fighting to gain ground in these sites. It has actually worked really well. So um, the, the current deployments and our investments are unaffected. Okay. Um, I, I think we'd be, you know, a little bit more annoyed if uh, that, <laughs> you know, our investment, you know, kind of um, was, uh, didn't, you know, mean much in those sites. So I think the city is doing a good job with that. Um, on the future sites, you know, and the kind of surrounding footprint, um, I, I think the reasoning we've been given is that it's a much quicker solution. And, you know, it is, you know, building out to 150,000 new homes takes time. Um, but we do still think the long-term solution is bringing in competitive options. And, um, you know, the, I think a lot of the folks we speak with in our um, affordable housing, you know, they, the folks you know, generally have an $80, $90 a month cable bundle, um, you know, the same as anybody outside of affordable housing. And so the one thing we want to see is um, you know, how many folks can the city you know, really convert to this Big Apple Connect um, where the provider might be making a lot less money per month. Um, you know, can the city really motivate the providers uh, and maybe the, the residents to um, move over to this plan? And I think even with ACP, there, there's definitely challenges in getting people to convert. There's paperwork, et cetera. So um, I, I think that's what we'll really be observing uh, with the new plan. It is, uh, you know, in theory, potentially a faster way to solve the challenge. So. So, and since you're referencing it, um, the a- ACP is the Affordable Connectivity Program, and it's the yeah. uh, $30 monthly subsidy um, for low-income families to use toward broadband. Um, how is, you mentioned it's, it's challenging. I think that's a universally uh, shared thought on the ACP. Uh, how has it been going for you to enroll customers? Do you have a sense of how many of your New York City customers are actually enrolled in it? Um, any thoughts on how it could be going better? Yeah, yeah. I think that the the FCC and the folks running the Affordable Connectivity Program are constantly iterating on making it, you know, 
it has definitely come a long way from where it was a year ago, even as far as enrolling people. Um, but I do think, um, you know, at NYCHA specifically in New York City Housing Authority, where, you know, the master broadband plan took place, the um, we do, you know, generally see that it takes sometimes up to 30 days to enroll somebody um, with a lot of follow-ups, you know, just because you need extra documentation. Um, and, you know, about 100%, I think, of our subscribers get approved over time. So I think, and that's something, you know, even in LA, when we're speaking with the city officials or folks, people are seeing that across public housing, especially, there may be, you know, much easier way to qualify folks. Um, and, and that's, I think, just a, you know, technical sort of IT database verification problem that um, I know many ISPs have already given the FCC. So I think it's something they're working on. Gotcha. Um, yeah, I would say that's the biggest challenge at the moment. How can we really kind of pre-qualify folks and, you know, make sure there isn't grift or anything else in the system as well? So. Yeah. Um, and just to a point of clarification for my sake on the uh, your participation in the New York City Master Plan, um, you said you don't have to stop any of those programs. Were they not dependent on subsidies from the city? Was it or what's the situation there? Because obviously you're not getting any more funding for those, right? Yeah. So the Master Plan, the Phase One, um, and all of the sort of challenger you know, ISPs, if you will, that participated, that was all privately funded by ourselves. Um, okay. So, uh, yeah, no no taxpayer dollars or New York City dollars. Um, there, there was a phase two that I think uh, a sort of build out, you know, of shared infrastructure that, um, that never really got beyond an RFI um, part of the process. But I think that was going to be where the city made some investment. And I, I think that's what they've decided to put a pause on. So gotcha. Okay. Um, yeah, the, the current footprint and all our operations are sort of self-funded. Okay. But beyond New York City, for the whole state, there is a larger uh, connect all plan that the governor introduced. Um, I think it's for a billion dollars and it's dependent on federal funding that will come down through the broadband equity access and deployment program sometime next year, the bead fund. Um, are you planning to participate in, in that kind of funding at some point? I think we're definitely doing our research. Uh, there's like parts of the state that, you know, similar to New York City, remain pretty underconnected. Um, and it, it'll be um, sort of an engineering or, you know, homes past cost calculus for us. But um, that there is a lot of, you know, I think footprint that is deserving of this, you know, new broadband build out in New York state. So, um, yeah, we've definitely, you know, started doing our homework and reaching out to, I think you mentioned the bead program from what we've heard, the, you know, the time cycle for that might be sort of next summer. So, um, mm -hmm. yet yeah, now is, I think the time to really start, you know, doing engineering or figuring out which cities are interested, um, et cetera. And you can you can deploy fiber faster, right? Uh, by virtue of doing it through dark fiber, is that am I correct, or am I just buttering you up uh, <laughs> unintentionally? Uh, um, yeah, I mean, I think some of the idea is if we don't have to deploy the entire distance coming yeah. from you know our core or our pops, you know, point of presence or our data centers, 
um, then by virtue of having to place less to get to your customer, we, we should be able to save time. Um, the real challenge is, I guess, in some of these geographies where there may be nothing or the mm-hmm. incumbent, you know, long haul or middle mile provider, it's going to take 120 plus days themselves. And that's where you know, we need things like the bead program or the middle mile grant um, yeah. for like a long term solution. All right. So we've been talking about the shift from de Blasio's New York City master plan to the Adams administration, Big Apple Connect. Um, We just had an election this week, so power has changed hands in all sorts of places. How disruptive is it for a company like yours when a new administration comes in and shifts gears on infrastructure projects? And how do you factor that in? How do you factor politics into your deployment plans and efforts? Yeah, that's a good one. Um, I think on the on the sort of former question of the disruption and maybe changing administrations on you know sort of more critical infrastructure projects, um, I, I do think it's a challenge to have a you know four year cycle on really critical roles um, across you know city and state and even federal levels, changing the you know folks who maybe manage a, you know, transportation, you know, broadband or energy build out. Um, those build outs, you know, by definition, really take well beyond four years um, or even eight years if you're doing it right. You know, like um, an example we love to use is New York, you know, the outer boroughs, Brooklyn. Um, there isn't a shared sort of broadband conduit system. And uh, it's usually, you know, these poles where, nobody knows who owns them. You know, even the incumbents, it's just a big challenge. And so if someone were to build out something like the ECS or shared broadband uh, in a geography like Brooklyn, you know, that's like a 15-year project. And um, it is a challenge to embark on that kind of project knowing that the, you know, the IT or the transportation authorities may change twice or thrice over the course of that project. So yeah. I think that is definitely something that's a challenge. Um, on the business side, uh, you know, from a broadband perspective, it does seem like it's a bipartisan issue now. I think everyone yeah, realizes like one of the only ones, <laughs> right? Like, you know, everyone you know loves getting people cheaper broadband, and I, I think that's sort of electable on both sides, maybe. Um, yeah. But we also generally see, you know, the bigger challenge might just be apathy, right? Towards, mm-hmm. hey, like there's bigger issues to focus on for our administration. Maybe we just leave this for now or, mm-hmm. you know. So um, I think that might create some potential headwind for new broadband buildouts. But I, I think there's a, kind of at a base level, a lot of enthusiasm at the moment on both sides um, for it. Okay, so final question for you is Flume has been a participant in the Civilian Climate Corps in New York City, which is a program run by a company called Block Power. Tell us a little bit about that program and what it's meant for your buildouts here in New York City to be a part of it. Yeah, so the Civilian Climate Corps has been a, a really, you know, I think transformative program that allows folks who are in some of these underserved communities who have even been you know, victims of certain types of crimes, et cetera, um, to really upskill their you know, vocational training capability in a variety of fields. And that could be you know, knowledge work, IT work, 
or in our case, um, we think, you know, really well-paying, high-in-demand fiber splicing and placement jobs. Um, it's actually, you know, I think it's been kind of well-documented that with the new fiber builds, there's definitely a labor crunch that most ISPs are facing. And I think programs like these are a great way to, um, you know, sort of knock out two birds with one stone where you're solving this, you know, deployment challenge that folks like us and other ISPs have. And you're also, you know, creating um, like an amazing opportunity for folks who otherwise would maybe never even look at a fiber placement job. Uh, and so for us, I think over 95% of our installs in public housing have been done by civilian climate core um, trained technicians and we, you know, our head of construction will tell you we uh, can't get enough technicians from them. We ask for more folks. So the, the program is going very well. Um, we're really glad to see that the city extended it. And um, we will continue to use it as much as, you know, block power and um, the sort of technicians will allow us. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to talk with me again. I really enjoyed catching up with you and good luck with all the great work you're doing. Yeah, we appreciate it. Thanks for checking in, Nicole. Thank you again, Prashant, for joining me. Thank you as well to our producer, Pierre Landreau, for making this episode. Be sure to subscribe to the Light Reading Podcast for more episodes of The Divide, as well as interviews and insights from the Light Reading team. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next time.